Welcome to the Not All Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelsang, and this is episode number 360. Today's show is brought to you by Simple Contacts. As part of our Art of Living author interview series, our guest today is award-winning author, entrepreneur, and thought leader, Stuart Brody. Stuart H. Brody draws from more than 20 years as an advisor to prominent political figures, including presidential candidates. He has held numerous public offices himself, including not-for-profit board directorships and teaching positions. Stuart Brody's new book, The Law of Small Things, points out that we're living in a time when dishonesty and duplicity are common in our public institutions, our workplaces, and even our personal relationships. But by recognizing and resisting the small, seemingly inconsequential ways we make moral compromises in our lives, we can repair the tear in our social and moral fabric. The law of small things also exposes how our culture encourages breaches of integrity through an array of permitted promise-breaking a language of cliches that equates self-interest with duty and the illusion of inconsequence that excuses small breaches with the breezy confidence that we can fulfill integrity when it counts. I will tell you that I really found this book helpful. A guide, identifying steps and practices to put integrity into focus, living a life of integrity. Let's listen as Stuart Brody reads from his book after asking him, what is important to us all, but how can the Not Old Better Show audience, as Stuart Brody puts it, keep our promises that are fundamental to lasting relationships? The path to transformation lies within the routine circumstances of our lives. And the big change we often seek is initiated with small acts. The practice of discerning promises in the mundane is a form of devotion to truthfulness. Integrity calls us to a practice and encourages us to make the practice a habit. We practice integrity by keeping our promises, the ones we make explicitly, and the ones that are fundamental to trusting relationships, even if they are not explicit but implied in those relationships. And that's on page 21 of the book where I try to lay out the purposefulness of practicing integrity and the transformative power of practicing integrity. That, of course, is our guest today, author Stuart Brody. Stuart Brody's new book, The Law of Small Things, is getting great reviews. And when shared with me and after reading, I certainly agree that I often take what integrity I have for granted. As a result, Stuart Brody says, an easy false confidence distorts our decision-making as individuals, all of us maybe, in business and in our nation, make these big breaches of integrity that we see all around us. We tend to blame them on others, but they can be addressed by the practice of integrity as a learned skill in our individual relationships, our workplaces, and in our nation. But first we have to let go of the illusion that we have integrity as a matter of intuition and that we are innately ready for big things without practicing on small things. Stuart Brody will answer our questions today, including the big one. Is it even worth it to reach out to the other side with integrity, knowing all sides are so divisive these days? Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, award-winning author, entrepreneur, and thought leader, Stuart Brody. Stuart Brody, welcome to the program. Paul, thank you. It's truly a pleasure and honor, actually, to privilege to be here because you have a great show and you ask some really important questions. I'm just so happy to participate in that. 
Well, thank you so much for saying that. And honestly, Stuart Brody, the honor is mine. This book, The Law of Small Things, Creating a Habit of Integrity in a Culture of Mistrust is wonderful. I'm just going to recommend it highly to my audience. I found it uh, enjoyable and readable, and we'll, we'll get into that. And I, I love the title. The title is indicative of something big and important. And in my opinion, we, we're talking about ethics here too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's right. You know, where I come from, my background really as a lawyer, ethics uh, has a very restricted connotation typically because it's referred to essentially as compliance. So many of your uh, audience, many of the folks uh, work for entities that have uh, ethics laws, ethics rules, but they usually mean compliance or uh, adherence to the rules and regulations of the company or the government, whatever it is. Integrity is something much bigger. It really goes to the heart of how you act when there are no rules uh, written down and where there's no particular penalty for noncompliance. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think my audience will relate. They will understand that having come from a, a government background myself. You, of course, have been a public servant too. You're an attorney. And both of those two roles offer some potential for some, maybe some breaches in integrity. And you write very personally that you've observed others committing some of those breaches. Uh, you, from time to time, encountered some of those very personally. So what, what changed you to decide to do things differently in your life and then to write about it in this way? Well, I think for me personally, I think uh, I started to see the limitations of both uh, the practice of law and also uh, political life that I was involved in. And I felt that there was rampant uh, breach of integrity in those, both of those aspects. And I felt that it was really important to, uh, to try to say something about that, not just um, kind of uh, absorb it, tolerate it, but to actually do something about it. So I got into it kind of late in life. Mm-hmm. And meaning after 30 years of practicing law and many years in in the practice in in politics, I decided to start teaching. And and I think that's a a fitting theme for your audience, Mm -hmm. the idea that at at some point you really start bringing things together in your life because there's an urgency to doing that. And you have to make sense of a lot of the things that you just took for granted and didn't bother noticing along the way. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. where I was coming from in this venture. Well, let's talk about politics for just a second then. Certainly a divisive environment. And we see behavior all the time from both parties that is ethically uh, questionable at, at all levels of politics. And in your book, you say, no one has integrity, but what we have is this opportunity to uphold promises that we make. And politicians today appear to be flouting these promises and the public seems to not care or or maybe they're immune to this kind of this back and forth that goes on and there's plenty of blame to go around. I guess, is it even worth it to reach out to the other side and and how do we get back to a relationship of trust that promises will be kept? Wow, what a question. It's a great question. Well, and there are many points of entry uh, mm-hmm. to, to answer it. I mean, you can start with people are basically selfish and self-aggrandizing and there really is no hope for us uh, or that people are basically good and we just have to restore that quality. And if there is a truth about that, it might be somewhere in between. But I think the more direct answer to that 
excellent question is it's probably the responsibility of both the the governed and the governors to curb their actions and act with with uh, a respect a reverence for truthfulness and we need to train both sides to do that so if politicians were more truthful then the electorate would get habituated, would be conditioned to expecting that, and then we would have better leaders. Or if the people were the initiators and they expected and demanded a certain fidelity to truthfulness, well, then the leaders would have to comply. But right now it seems like everybody's kind of ignored. Both sides of the equation are kind of habituated to uh, to actually this is not too strong a word, I don't think, to dishonesty because it's accepted that a little bit and a lot of untruthfulness will not hurt you. I thought it was interesting that the book is dedicated to a politician, the late Senator Philip J. Rock, a state senator from Chicago. What was it that Senator Rock taught you? Well, I, you know, as I was a, a young lawyer and I walked into, and he he, he was, I lived in a town where he was, um, he represented that, that town. It was just outside of Chicago Oak Park for your Chicago uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. And uh, people over a certain age will remember Phil Rock. He was a respected Chicago politician. And what makes that so unique is that the connotation we have of a Chicago politician is pejorative. But Phil stood for the right things, and, and he was unique in that way. And it shows that you can do it. And he was, he was so respected that people kind of understood that, well, when Phil would handle things, you could expect truthfulness. It was a breath of fresh air. Well, he appointed me to a position, and I faced a very difficult vote in connection with that. Again, for your Chicago listeners, it, I was on the uh, Regional Transportation Authority, so it governed transportation for all of Chicago. And I went in to see him and said, basically, Senator, how do you want me to vote? You appointed me and I'm responsible to, to, to you. They said, you've got that all wrong. I put you on that board because I trusted your capacity to make decisions in the best interests of the people of Chicago. Now go back to your office and figure that out. <laughs> and I did. And I learned something really powerful. But if we don't have mentors like that, when you really think about it, Paul, so much of the structure of our politics, and, and by the way, our corporations, so, you know, our workplaces, many of our communities, and in fact, some of our families are based on power without truthfulness. That's a cardinal sin. Because without it, there's only loyalty which means following someone who gives you, who has the authority. And that's not, that, that's not integrity. That's, that's blind submission. That's what I was offering. And he resisted. You contrast that just to continue. My first job as a, as a lawyer in Chicago was, I was representing a, a hospital. I was just a junior lawyer. And we went to see the client and I, I left the meeting and the senior partner said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, I think, this case can be settled. And the senior partner said, law firms don't make money settling cases. Can you imagine? That was my first, within weeks of becoming a lawyer. So we, we have to somehow, as individuals trying to do the right thing, navigate the, the, these shoals of, of, um, of dishonesty, of, 
of of it's more than dishonesty. It's it's um, a kind of cynicism about the way you get by, you know, replete with its own vocabulary, like no harm, no foul. You know, you snooze, you lose, you can't fight city hall. Looking out for number one, we we, we just take these things for granted. And that's why I wrote the book. So to go back to basics, to start practicing integrity, not thinking that you're going to show up to the big things when everything's on the line, you're going to show up. doesn't work that way. There are lots of cases to prove that. So it starts with the simplest things and like telling a white lie. And we start building from there into a culture of integrity. And to me, that's the only way out of, out of this mess. Hi, it's Paul, and we'll be right back with Stuart Brody, author of The Law of Small Things. You know, I have to tell you about my newest time-saving trick. <laughs> You're going to love this. I mentioned today's sponsor, Simple Contacts, at the top of the show. I got my contact lens prescription renewed while sitting here in my not-old-better-show recording studio last week in under five minutes, and that's what Simple Contacts does. So here's what I did. I used this awesome new app from Simple Contacts. You know, anyone who wears contact lens needs to know about this. Simple Contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from anywhere in minutes through an online vision test is really something. It's designed by doctors and every test is reviewed by a doctor. So they're literally bringing the doctor's office right to your home or right to your recording studio. Look, I have been a contact lens wearer since high school, and I'm old enough to remember hard lenses, their discomfort, and the headache associated with renewing my prescription or having my prescription change, which mine did a lot. If you, dear Not Old Better Show audience, remember this too, then you'll be just like me and you will love Simple Contacts. No more appointments. No more waiting rooms, no more overpaying. Simple Contacts brings the doctor's office to wherever you are, whenever you need it. I was amazed at the process, the online fitting and the online prescription verification. You've got to try Simple Contacts for lots of reasons, but the simplicity is truly impressive. And for me, it took just minutes. They do all the work for you. The contact lens prices are unbeatable. The vision test is only 20 bucks and shipping is free. Best of all, Not Old Better Show listeners get $20 off their first Simple Contacts order with the promo code NOTOLDBETTER20. Try it for yourself and save 20 bucks on the lenses by going to simplecontacts.com slash NOTOLDBETTER20. I'll put all of this into the show notes, but you can just enter Not Old Better 20 at checkout too if you want to. I want to mention, importantly, especially for the Not Old Better Show audience, that this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally, but it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, get 20 bucks off simplecontacts.com slash notoldbetter20 or just enter that code, not old better 20 at checkout. Save time, save money, and save yourself a headache with simple contacts. Thanks, everybody. And now back to our guest, Stuart Brody, author of the new book, The Law of Small Things. We are with author Stuart Brody. Stuart Brody's book is The Law of Small Things, creating a habit of integrity in a culture of mistrust. 
this title again we we talked about it at the at the top of the show but it really suggests that that if we if we practice some of these little virtues as as you write about in your book these kind of these small things in the title we create a uh, a personal individual habit that will remain with us um, despite the situation and perhaps even despite the pressure to fold in the face of keeping our promises. There can be some pressure in that. So tell us about the little virtues and um, and the, the small things in the title. Okay, Paul. Well, uh, the book has 31 chapters and every single one of them is really a small thing. When I say small, I mean, there's no way anybody's going to hold you to task for doing them. There's no way you're going to go to jail or be indicted or anything like that. There's, there's uh, actually, we have a culture that's very forgiving of dishonesty and breaches of integrity. I could speak volumes about that, but I think the best place to start is the white lie because what usually happens when we tell that is that we, we figure that we're doing no harm and that we're actually protecting the person from truth, a truth that might harm them. And it gets us off the hook. So it's kind of like a, a three-way victory, but the really, the, 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 the really essential question is if our culture condones something as small as lying to someone about canceling, let's say a lunch date, well then why should we expect a president to tell the truth? And it's, that's not a trivial question because, and people will say, well, one thing is small and the other thing is big. Okay. Well, where do you draw the line? Can anybody draw that line? How does a president get to understand the value of truthfulness and how does a, the electorate appreciate truthfulness if they don't honor it in the smallest thing? So that's, that would be the, the most elemental example. We have 30 more, too, and we can't go into that, <laughs> right? Well, and there I are will. hundreds more, and everybody has one. Every, every person listening has their own small thing that they either did or failed to do, and it resulted in either a breach of integrity or the fulfillment of integrity. Mm-hmm. I like that you focus on solutions, and I, and I know my audience thinks that way, too. You describe how these seemingly small habits can result in almost significant problems. And then you, you offer in each chapter ways to change your behavior in a response to that. So maybe give us one of those ethical problems and a way to change our behavior as a result. Okay. Well, one example, uh, the reason I'm going to uh, select this one, I was just having lunch uh, with a friend of mine and I asked him, well, what struck you about the book? Which example spoke to you? And he said, the one that spoke to me was about confronting someone who used a, uh, who, who, I guess, who drove up to a handicapped parking space without a a tag and just parked there and uh, abused the obvious reservation of that space for uh, handicapped motorists. And, but that, and we all know that that's, that's really wrong, and, and few of us would do it. The question that he posed was, uh, when he was thinking about this and actually confronting the situation, was, do I say something to the motorist, to the person who, who committed that, who drove up without the tag? I mean, by the way, th- this, 
we all know that that just so many people it's it's just uncountable have the tag legally but don't need it but it's difficult to to go up to and they bound out of the car and they just go into the store or to the whatever it is and they they obviously are abusing it but a lot of people feel uncomfortable about that because they say well you know uh Maybe this, they have some disability that I'm not seeing. But let's leave that aside. Let's say someone just flouts it and drives right up there without the, the sticker. What my friend was saying was what's tough is learning how to confront someone without confronting them, to actually make the point that this could be making it harder or, or impossible for a disabled person to do their business, to go out in public, to live a life because you're parking in that space. And many of us don't want to do that because we think, well, there might be physical harm involved or there's a risk. So you get into the question of whether it's our responsibility to intervene when we see a breach of integrity. It's a, it's a little bit, it's, you know, it's hard enough to follow the rules of integrity, the practice of integrity, but isn't one of those rules, if you will, or practices to learn how to approach someone when we see they're doing something wrong and rather than just letting it go. And that's a practice of integrity, harder. But you see, if you practice, and this is really the response to your question, if you practice that, if you practice the, not telling a white lie, but telling somebody the truth, you know, just languaging it and learning how to do that, then you're going to get better at speaking to someone who's using a space illegally at pointing out how this hurts other people. So isn't that the essence of what we really have to do as a culture, to start telling people in a, in a, in a way that's, that's comfortable, that's not aggressive, that, we, that their behavior needs to be questioned, that their behavior is not uh, fulfilling of, of a commitment to the well-being of all, but is selfish. Even when it comes to family, that we usually, and I have a chapter on that, as you know, where I had to confront my own cousin who was deceiving the public. And I never would have done that had I not written the book and, pre and realized I have to practice what I'm writing. And we all have to do that, even if we're not writing it. It's a wonderful book. Sir Brody, thank you so much. I wrote this down because I really, I just loved how you put this. You talk about the power of truthfulness. It's a book for our times. So Stuart Brody, author of this great book, The Law of Small Things, Creating a Habit of Integrity in a Culture of Mistrust. Thanks so much for your generous time today. Thanks for the book. I'm just going to encourage my audience again, check this out. We'll put links up to where you can find it as well as Stuart Brody's website. But Stuart Brody, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. My thanks to Simple Contacts for sponsoring the show today. And my special thanks to Stuart Brody for his insights into the important even crucial subject of our times, integrity. Check out links for Simple Contacts and Stuart Brody in our show notes. And thanks to you, our wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Remember, talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.